Allied invasion has started. The news to this moment is all supplied by the enemy. The Germans, through the Berlin radio, tell us that the invasion, that's the enemy's word for it, has started. There is no Allied confirmation. Shortly after 1 a.m. Eastern wartime, Columbia's shortwave listening station heard the Berlin radio make this announcement. Quote, Here is a special bulletin. Early this morning, the long-awaited British and American invasion began when paratroops landed in the area of the Somme estuary. The harbor of La Arve, the Berlin broadcast went on, is being fiercely bombarded at the present moment. Naval forces of the German Navy are off the coast fighting with enemy landing vessels. We have just brought you a special bulletin. End quote. That was a German radio bulletin we repeated for you. It was heard by Columbia's shortwave listening station at the beginning of Berlin's 1 a.m. Eastern Wartime news broadcast to North America. It was repeated in the middle of the program, and there is no confirmation from any allied source. In fact, the War Department in Washington says it has absolutely no information on these German radio reports. Here is a bulletin from London. Shortly before 1 a.m. Eastern Wartime, the BBC broadcast the Allied High Command's urgent instructions to Holland, advising all people living within 18 miles of the coast to leave their homes immediately and also to keep off roads, railways, and bridges. This may have been another of the series of instructions the Allied High Command has given the people of Europe. The German-controlled Paris radio at 12.45 Eastern Wartime did not mention any invasion in its news bulletins. The Associated Press recorded a German radio broadcast with the same so-called invasion news. Before we read you the broadcast recorded by the Associated Press, please remember two things. Prime Minister Churchill has warned us that there will be many allied feints, deceptive moves. And we've also been told to expect an invasion story similar to that we're now relaying to you from the Germans. In this way, the Nazis might hope to make the patriots in the conquered countries reveal themselves and thus reduce the effectiveness of these groups when our landing does actually start. Now, here's the Transocean broadcast. Quote, Early Tuesday morning, numerous landing craft and light warships were observed in the area between the mouth of the Somme and the eastern coast of Normandy. At the same time, paratroops were dropped from numerous aircraft on the northern tip of the Normandy Peninsula. It's believed that these paratroops have been given the task of capturing airfields in order to facilitate the landings of further paratroops. The harbor of La Arve is at the moment being bombarded. German naval forces have engaged enemy landing craft off the coast. The long-expected Anglo-American invasion appears to have begun. End quote. That's what the Associated Press heard the Berlin radio say. The German agency DNB says Dunkirk and Calais, just across the Channel coast from Britain, are under attack by strong formations of bombers. Transocean said the long-expected invasion by the British and Americans was begun in the first hours of the morning of June 6th by the landing of parachute troops in the area of the mouth of the Somme. Allied headquarters remained silent. The German DNB agency said La Arve was being violently bombarded at the present moment 
That was at 7 a.m. German time or at 1 a.m. Eastern wartime. Please remember that the War Department in Washington has no information on these German reports. Although there is no reason to believe the enemy report, CBS will remain in operation overtime tonight until the facts are known. We repeat, this network will operate beyond regular time until the German report has been verified or has been proved erroneous. Erwin Darlington reporting for CBS World News. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. And now CBS presents the music of Lenny Kahn and his orchestra from the Hollywood Palladium on Sunset Boulevard in the heart of the nation's film capital. by strong air forces began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. The communique will be repeated. Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces supported by strong air forces began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. This ends the reading of communique number one from Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expeditionary Force. This means invasion. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are back at Columbia's news headquarters, the newsroom in New York. I've just taken the microphone out of the studio again and back into our news headquarters. You have just heard from London, Colonel R. Ernest Dupuis of the Supreme Headquarters of the Allied Expeditionary Forces reading Communique Number 1. Everything to this point has been German reports, and Communique Number 1 now says, under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces supported by strong air forces began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. It is now official. The landings have begun, and at this moment, here is Columbia's military analyst, Major George Fielding Elliott. As you just heard from Mr. Trout, the period of doubt is at an end, and we have official announcement of the landing of Allied armies on the northern coast of France. As uh, there is nothing to add to the very bare words of the official communique, it was to be expected that the Allied naval forces would cover the landing and would be engaged in conveying our troops to the coast of France and that there would be strong air support. When there is any further details to give you, we will bring them to you promptly and we'll try to analyze them for you as well as we can within the limits of the information 
that we get from time to time. Now, here again is Mr. Trout. Major George Fielding Elliott has been speaking to you, talking about the uh, invasion. I think we can now call it that. Following the reading of the first communique, communique number one from SHAFE. That's what we call Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Forces somewhere in Great Britain. Uh, rather strangely, you know, just before we switched to London to hear the first communique, we were making this uh, informal tour of the Columbia Newsroom, which began at 3 o'clock in the morning, 35 minutes ago. I was standing here in front of the OWI machine and telling you that while all the other news services, the UP, AP, INS, Reuters, all the rest, were sending out all these reports and from uh, Europe, you know, about the German reports, the OWI, which uh, confines itself to official news, sends us the text of the communiques and all that sort of thing. The OWI was printing almost nothing, and uh, since the beginning of the day, since midnight, the OWI had put on only one bulletin, or rather one uh, dispatch of any kind, saying that the Romanian radio reported enemy planes over Belgrade. And, of course, a few moments after I said that, uh, we switched you to London so that you could hear... Colonel Dupuy reading the communique, and of course at that moment, uh, after I came out of the studio on the OWI machine, here is what is now printed. OWI 2, meaning the second bulletin since midnight. OWI 2, flash. Supreme Headquarters announces allies begin operations on northern coast of France. Bulletin. Communique said, under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces supported by strong air forces began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. 3.34 p.m. Eastern Wartime from Washington. That's what the Office of War Information wire says. Uh, still uh, looking over the machines now in a way. It's rather speculative. The, the whole character of this broadcast has changed, and it did change rather abrupt, abruptly. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, if you have been uh, staying with us, you know we started... Uh, Oh, sometime uh, after midnight, I guess it was about 20 minutes to 1 in the morning Eastern wartime when the Germans began putting these reports out. We've been bringing you frequent reports. And then at 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, a little more than 35 minutes ago, we took this microphone here in our studio, which adjoins the Columbia Newsroom in New York, and uh, brought it out here to the news machines and began taking you on an informal tour to show you what a newsroom is like at this hour. And now I hear that we must go to London in a few moments. Ladies and gentlemen, for a broadcast from Columbia's correspondent, Edward R. Merrill, we take you now to London. March with you. In company with our brave allies and brothers in arms on other fronts, you will bring about the destruction of the German war machine the elimination of Nazi tyranny over the oppressed peoples of Europe, and security for ourselves in a free world. Your task will not be an easy one. Your enemy is well-trained, well-equipped, and battle-hardened. He will fight savagely. But this is the year 1944. Much has happened since the Nazi triumphs of 1940-41. The United Nations have inflicted upon the Germans great defeat in open battle, man-to-man. Our air offensive has seriously reduced their strength in the air and their capacity to wage war on the ground. Our home fronts have given us an overwhelming superiority in weapons and munitions of war and placed at our disposal great reserves of trained fighting men. The tide has turned. The free men of the world are marching together to victory. I have full confidence in your courage, devotion to duty, and skill in battle. We will accept nothing less than full victory. Good luck. And let us all beseech the blessing of Almighty God upon this great and noble undertaking. This order, 
was distributed to assault elements after their embarkation. It was read by appropriate commanders to all other troops in the Allied Expeditionary Force. I return you now to the United States. Now we're back at Columbia's news headquarters again in New York. At this moment, we're in the studio. As a matter of fact, we have to come into the studio now with this unusual arrangement so that we can hear the speaker and hear what Mr. Merrill was saying. That was Edward R. Merrill, Columbia's correspondent in London. Now we're back out in the newsroom with our long cable, and once again, here is Columbia's military analyst, Major George Fielding Elliott. The Allied invasion of Western Europe, as you know, has begun. Such an operation carrying thousands and hundreds of thousands of troops across water to land them on a hostile shore is one of the most dangerous of all military operations. There have been few such vast military amphibious operations in all history. Some have failed, but some have succeeded. And no such operation has ever been prepared with the thoroughness of this Allied landing on the European continent. The Allies have been getting ready for it for years. The British have been looking forward to this day ever since Dunkirk. And the moment the United States got into the war, our military leaders realized that the main road to the defeat of Germany lay through the occupied lands of Western Europe, and they began to plan accordingly. Our leaders have also realized that they must strike with overwhelming force. In some military operations, an initial repulse might have little effect. But in this European invasion, it might be fatal, for it would be a disastrous blow to the morale of the people of the conquered nations. So, the plans for the invasion were more complex and more complete than any that military strategists have ever had to work out before. Germany's dash across the Low Countries and France was simple in comparison. So was the German attack on Russia, vast as that operation was. The Allied landings in North Africa and in Sicily involved similar problems to this one, but they were on a far smaller scale. The opposition was much lighter. Nevertheless, the experience gained in these operations has been invaluable in planning for this one. We don't know as yet the details of the first landing operations, but usually an invasion force strikes in three waves. First comes the assault force which is composed mainly of infantry, supported sometimes by light tanks, and usually also including assault engineers. Its job is to strike quickly, to break up initial enemy resistance, and to secure a foothold on the shore. Before it can land, of course, it must have the support of bombing and fighting planes and of naval artillery. And you will remember that General Eisenhower's first communique emphasized the strong naval and air support which our landing was receiving. How quickly these first waves can get ashore depends on the strength of the enemy's defenses and on the effectiveness with which those defenses are reduced by bombardment. We take you now in a few moments for another broadcast uh, to the British Isles. In a moment or two, our signal will be ready. We take you now to London. Here is the text of a report sent to London by Herbert M. Clark for the networks of the United States. This is Herbert M. Clark in a takeoff report from an Allied expeditionary base 
I don't have to explain what the takeoff is. When you hear this, you'll know that Allied forces have leaped the gap between the bases in the United Kingdom and the coast of France. We'll be there, and we'll be there to stay as you listen. As I write this, we're in an unnamed port on an unnamed coast, one of the quirks of military security. But it's a funny thing about security. A week ago in London, I was in a state of constant irritation with security censorship. It was obvious from German radio reports that the Nazis knew things we knew but couldn't say. Since then, I've been living and eating and sleeping aboard the flagship of an allied assault force, one of the several which are going to hit the Hun where he hurts most. And I find that Jerry knows less than he said he did. Since I've been here, we've had exactly one air alarm, and that not a raid or even a determined reconnaissance. And I also find that I don't object so much to security. My loyalty and responsibility to you back home is overridden by loyalty and responsibility to the soldiers on this boat and the sailors who are carrying them to the beachhead. That objective is also, for the moment, unidentifiable, because the place we've picked for our main landing is one Jerry hadn't figured on, and I don't want to be the one to tell him that our sector is the one where his counterattack should go. The Nazis have been badly outguessed on this whole show. He's going to be surprised by the direction of the attack, and he's going to get a shock by the timing. The master race has fallen down again. I'm treating all this in the past tense as though it hadn't already, uh, as though it had already happened. Maybe that's a mistake, but it's a reflection of the overwhelming confidence of the troops involved and the confidence I've drawn from the tremendous scale of the preparations. We haven't yet moved from our anchorage, but all morning this coastal strip has been full of movement. Ladies and gentlemen, I will digress to say that the next few sentences will be semi-numerous. That uh, the script has been censored. There are ships in the task forces which are striking, British, Canadian, and American. They range from big troop carriers and supply ships down to landing craft. Other vessels, landing craft, which make most of the journey, piggyback on bigger ships, are in the fleet. Now I admit that I can't conceive of a fleet of ships myself, but I do know that's as far as I can see from the bridge of this ship. Others are dotting the water thickly, and I can see about 30 square miles of water. Well, ships, I'm told, half the force. Double it, and you'll have the hull. And they're all loaded with fighting men and fighting weapons, some of them still secret. With some hours, the vanguard of our force assigned to deal with specific coastal objectives in our sector of Nazi Europe, and landing craft lumbering through a choppy sea so slowly that they must start well ahead of time to get to their assigned places at their appointed times. These ships have been moving out. I'm speaking to shore by the last available channel of communication. We'll be following those ships soon, and I hope to be back with you before long with some harder facts. This is Herbert Clark reporting from the flagship of an Allied assault invasion force for the networks of the United States. I return you now to the United States. Once again in the studio adjoining Columbia's newsroom at Columbia's news headquarters in New York City, this is Bob Trout speaking again. And now, once again, you'll hear the noise of the bells as I open the door, take the microphone out on the long cable to the newsroom itself. That seems to be the quickest way to get the news to you as it's coming in so rapidly. We started this as a very informal tour about 45 minutes ago when uh, we didn't know that it was invasion. As a matter of fact, the Germans were the only people who had been uh, putting out the reports. And uh, in a few moments, I'd like to sort of sum the thing up for you so we can see where we are at the moment. But uh, it seems that uh, it's the 
The story is now at this stage at which interruptions come. Things come in so quickly that it's uh, almost impossible to find time to go back and sum up. We've had the first dispatch from London. We sometimes have to interrupt each other here during this uh, informal broadcast. When we get word to switch rapidly to London, there are only a few seconds in which to do it, and so uh, our broadcast may be abrupt at some point or another, but we're trying to keep you abreast of the news as quickly as possible, and so when we get word that London has something, we just cut whatever we can and go as quickly as possible. Now, I think perhaps the, uh, the best uh, way to uh, uh, get up to date, to bring us up to date here from the, uh, from the exciting moment, the supreme and moment of suspense at which uh, Colonel Dupuy announced in London that this really was an invasion and not just a German trick, I think the best way to bring us ourselves up to date is to go back to this Associated Press machine in front of which I'm standing, start at the copy at 3.33 a.m. in the morning. That's one minute after we'd switched to London, and here's what it says. Flash. That's a very rare thing, you know, in, in the news world. Allies land in France. Immediately afterward, bulletin. Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expeditionary Force, June 6 AP. General Dwight D. Eisenhower's headquarters announced today that Allied troops began landing on the northern coast of France, strongly supported by naval and air forces. The text of the communique, quote, Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces supported by strong air forces began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. In five seconds, I hear we again will get an official report from London. Go ahead, London. You will hear the Supreme Commander, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. His statement will be followed by other messages to the peoples of the countries on the western coast of Europe, which are occupied by the enemy. The Supreme Commander, Allied Expeditionary Force, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. People of Western Europe. A landing was made this morning on the coast of France by troops of the Allied Expeditionary Force. This landing is part of a concerted United Nations plan for the liberation of Europe, made in conjunction with our great Russian allies. I have this message for all of you. Although the initial assault may not have been made in your own country, the power of your liberation is approaching. All pictures, men and women, young and old, have a part to play in the achievement of final victory. To members of resistance movements, whether led by nationals or by outside leaders, I say, follow the instructions you have received. To patients who are not members of organized resistance groups, help those, Continue your passive resistance, but do not needlessly endanger your lives. Wait until I give you the signal to rise and strike the enemy. The day will come when I shall need your united strength. Until that day, I call on you for the hard task of discipline and restraint. Citizens of France, I am proud to have again under my command the gallant forces of France. Fighting against their allies, they will play a worthy part in the liberation of their homeland. Because the initial landing has been made on the soil of your country, I repeat to you with even greater emphasis my message to the peoples of other occupied countries in Western Europe. Follow the instructions of your leaders. A premature uprising of all Frenchmen may prevent you from being of Russian help to your countries in a critical hour. Be patient. Prepare. As Supreme Commander of the Allied Expeditionary Force, there is imposed on me the duty and responsibility 
of taking all measures necessary to the prosecution of the war. Prompt and willing obedience to the orders that I shall issue is essential. Effective civil administration of France must be provided by Frenchmen. All persons must control in their present duties unless otherwise instructed. Those who have made common cause with the enemy and so betrayed their country will be removed. When France is liberated from her oppressors, you yourselves will choose your representatives and the governments under which you wish to live. In the course of this campaign, for the final defeat of the enemy, you may sustain further loss and damage. Tragic though they may be, they are part of the price of victory. I assure you that I shall do all in my power to mitigate your hardship. I know that I can count on your steadfastness now, no less than in the past. For the heroic deeds of Frenchmen who have continued the struggle against the Nazis and their vision satellites in France and throughout the French Empire have been an example and an inspiration to all of us. This may mean that the opening phase of the campaign in Western Europe. Great battles lie ahead. I call upon all the young freedom to stand with us now. Keep your faith strong. Our arms are resolute. Together we shall achieve victory. You have just heard the Supreme Commander, General Dwight D. Eisenhower. It has just been announced that General de Gaulle has arrived in England. He will broadcast a message to the people of France later in the day. You will next hear the King of Norway, His Majesty King Hokan II. Once then, from days he sees the war, what he is to come. John Hathaway, Sixtus, for Fulkering, Adam Rupert, Bonnet, for Tiffos. Akrin, Fadis, Dako, and Enim, Fadis. Enim, Enim, Fadinale, Mozart, Matif, Fadinale, Oplele. For these, in Bayer, Vichin, Om, at the Alliere, Stoffer, no Hathaway, Os, a top stickling of France for Ryan, Mosayan, for Pelin. It will not be any unwitting, nor any person go to moon for hustle and a uawalak handling. Nun, the season from our theater at an innocent opportunity and fur, or like a fjemming, all the things here in general to Ryan. They must see for a sleep mode. Wo überschickt die Hilfe, wie wir es erzählen, oder andere? Mir lehren, auf der Organisation noch, zum Fangarbeiter Meier, die Allieros, Militärer, Autoritäter, Stor in der Sinne. Die hat wohl seine bestimmte Abgabe erlösen, und die wird vor mir oder. Die wird uns hören, die Fußgänger, erneut die Trainerspielliste, Ella, Matt, Oh, 
Si alguien se ofrece o como bien, dile que no llega a ti, si fa, o vale a pensar a alguien que no sabe una hans comando, o que no trinca a ser, él fue a no, de dos fotos, dulce, persona y contacto, ni el cine constitucional en mentira. Ni vino, ni estafa, se no lo puedo decir de campo. O que creo que me pasa, Mijn dames de winsten. Die wil, als je ik een beschikte wachtje die, of die blauwe, als je altijd beschikte dient. Langsman, al samen, of weer bereid. Lieve, die vrienden, naar zonder zijn, lieve, verjeerd. Hier is de translation van King Hoekland's message to the people of Norway. Fellow countrymen, as the rest of the great strategic plan which aims at liberating the oppressed peoples of Europe, the war in the West has today entered a new phase. We have all received this news with a profound feeling of joy and satisfaction, as we realize that our forces have thereby carried us a good way further on the road to victory and liberation. Heartened by these developments, Our people must not allow their enthusiasm to lead them into premature or unpremeditated acts. From now on, however, it will be of even greater importance than heretofore to hinder and impede the enemy by all subtle and covert means that cannot expose yourself or others. This order does not apply to organized resistance groups who are in touch with the Allied military authorities. They have been given their special orders, and they will receive further orders. These they will carry out in the knowledge that if they are in need of a hiding place, or food, or any other help, they will always find it. In this way also, many of you will be able quietly to take an effective part in the battle for freedom. I and my government warmly salute all compatriots to stand firm at their posts and to look forward to ever more exacting tests in a spirit of self-sacrifice and confidence. The Supreme Allied Commander will at all hands keep you informed about what is expected of everyone under his command. And over the radio and by other means, our people will continue to be in close contact with their constitutional authorities. We salute the forces which have now gone into battle. Our thoughts and warmest wishes go with them. We know that they will not fail us, and we promise never to fail them. Fellow countrymen, keep together and be prepared. Long live the cause of the United Nations. Long live the cause of freedom. That ends the translation of King Hawkins' statement. Community number one, issued by Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expeditionary Force, will now be repeated. Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces, supported by strong air forces, began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. You are now the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, 
His Excellency, Professor Herbrandi. Mannen en vrouwen van Nederland. Nu het grote ogenblik gekomen is waarop de genade spreekkrachten tot een machtigen aanval zijn overgegaan vanuit het Westen, heb ik enkele zeer ernstige woorden tot u te zeggen. Ik verzoek u hiernaar met de grootst mogelijke aandacht te luisteren en mijn woorden met de afneming van alle noodzakelijke veiligheidsmaatregelen door te geven aan de betrouwbare landgenoten die niet in de gelegenheid waren naar mij te luisteren. Landgenoten, nu de geallieerde motorslag neerkomt op Hitler Atlantic Wall, gaat door ons allen een siddering van ontroering. Onze mannen van leger, bloot, luchtmacht en koopvaardij hebben de taak te vervullen welke aan hen door de militairen opperbevelhebbers is toebedeeld. In de harten van ons allen stijgt het dringende beter op dat en al machtige om hoog en bijstaat in deze vooral zo rechtvaardige strijd. Een nauw overleg met een geallieerde opperbevelhebber geef ik u daarom de volgende order waaraan ik verwacht dat iedere Nederlander die van goede wille is zich zal houden. Mijn orders richten zich niet tot die speciale vertekgroepen die hun eigen orders hebben ontvangen en daaraan gevolg zullen geven. Ik richt mijn instructies tot hen die niet lid zijn van die speciale vertekgroepen. 1. Hij zou geen daden van gewelddadig openlijk verzet geven. Het zou den vreden garant slechts de gelegenheid bieden Represailles te nemen, veel en veel bloediger dan ooit tevoren. 2. Zij die redeneren dat ze gaarne hun leven veil hebben en ze dus niet willen laten weerhouden van iedere vorm van directe hulpverlening, zijn op het hart verbonden dat de Represailles zich zouden uitstrekken over vele, maar ook vele onschuldigen. Wij kennen den Duitsers. En ik herhaal dus met klem, geen gewelddadig openlijk verzet. 3. Wat daarentegen wel geschieden moet is, overal waar onzichtbaar en onherkenbaar een verzet mogelijk is, moet er onverbiddelijk worden geboden. 4. Daarnaast die gij alles na te laten wat een vijand van enig direct of indirect voordeel zou kunnen zijn. Vijf. Vijand zal geen enkel middel verzuimen om u te provoceren of te misleiden. Wees overal waar gij staat of staat op uw hoede. Luister alleen naar de aanwijzingen die wij van hieruit geven. Zes. Zodra van u een krachtiger actie wordt verwacht, zal dit op een onmiskenbare wijze van hieruit worden daarna gemaakt. Nederlanders, bid met ons om de zegen. Leven het vaderland. Here is a translation of the statement just made by the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. 
men and women of the Netherlands. Now that the great moment has arrived and the Allied forces have started the mighty attack from the West, I have some very solemn words to say to you. I request you to listen with the greatest possible attention and, with due observance of all necessary security measures, to pass on my words to trustworthy compatriots who have not been in a position to listen to me. Fellow countrymen, now that the Allied sledgehammer blow is falling on Hitler's Atlantic Wall, we are all thrilled with emotion. Our men of the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, and the Merchant Navy have to fulfill the task allotted to them by the military commander-in-chief. In the hearts of all of us rises the urgent prayer to the Almighty for help and assistance in what is for us so righteous a struggle. In close deliberation with the Allied High Command, I therefore give you the following orders, which I expect every Dutchman of goodwill to keep. These orders do not apply to those organized resistance groups who have received their orders and who will obey them. It is to those who are not members of organized resistance groups that I address these instructions. One, you will not perpetrate any acts of violent open resistance. It would only offer the cruel enemy an opportunity to take far bloodier reprisals than ever before. Two, those who reason that they are ready to sacrifice their life and therefore do not wish to refrain from any form of direct assistance are urged to consider that the reprisals would extend to a great many innocent people. We know the Germans. And I therefore request, with emphasis, no violent open resistance. Three. This, however, must be done. Wherever invisible and unrecognizable passive resistance is possible, it must be inexorably forthcoming. Apart from this, you must refrain from any act that might be of any direct or indirect advantage to the enemy. Five. The enemy will not fail to employ any means of provoking or deceiving. Wherever you go, wherever you may be, watch your own behavior. Listen, all of you, to the instructions which we give you from here. As soon as more forceful action is required of you, this will be made clear from here in unmistakable fashion. Dutchmen, pray with us. Long live the fatherland. That ends the translation of the statement made by the Prime Minister of the Netherlands. You will next hear the Prime Minister of Belgium, His Excellency, Monsieur Hubert Pierlot. Mes chers compatriotes, l'heure attendue par vous est proche. Les opérations préliminaires pour la libération de l'Europe 
ont commencé. Cet assaut initial est l'annonce certaine de votre délivrance. Vous allez vivre des jours difficiles, dans une attente anxieuse. C'est le moment de montrer une fois de plus les qualités de discipline et de maîtrise de vous-même dont vous avez donné tant d'exemples depuis quatre ans. La première règle à suivre sera de modérer votre impatience. La seconde, de ne pas vous laisser tromper par les excitations perfides de l'ennemi et de ne pas vous laisser engager dans des actions prématurées qui ne pourraient avoir pour résultat que de terribles représailles. Les alliés vous sont reconnaissants de la magnifique résistance que vous avez montrée sous l'oppression allemande et le gouvernement est convaincu que vous ferez tout ce qui est possible pour contribuer à détraquer la machine de guerre de l'ennemi. Le succès final de l'effort militaire aujourd'hui commencé dépend en grande partie de la force que vous conserverez pour le moment décisif. Vous souhaiteriez que nous vous demandions tout de suite tout l'effort dont vous êtes capable. Mais une résistance organisée, déjà en possession de ces consignes et le sabotage clandestin, sont maintenant plus utiles. À tous les patriotes, je dis, obéissez avec une discipline complète à tous les ordres qui vous sont donnés par le commandement suprême allié et par votre gouvernement. Mais soyez attentifs à discerner les fausses consignes qui pourraient être lancées par l'ennemi. Ne croyez pas les rumeurs non contrôlées. La seule façon de vérifier l'authenticité des nouvelles est de vous assurer qu'elles sont transmises par les stations de télégraphie sans fil des alliés. Par-dessus tout, méfiez-vous des agents provocateurs. Le moment du suprême combat n'est pas encore venu. Lorsqu'il aura sonné, vous en serez averti par le commandement allié et par votre gouvernement. L'on vous dira alors clairement ce que l'on attend de vous. Utilisez cette période intermédiaire pour perfectionner vos organisations afin qu'au moment voulu, leur action soit pleinement efficace. Dans les souffrances accrues qui marqueront peut-être la dernière phase de la guerre, tous les Belges devront plus que jamais montrer un mutuel dévouement et toutes les ressources encore disponibles devront être employées à soulager la misère des plus éprouvés. Les mauvais points que nous vous envoyons sont courage, Discipline, solidarité, confiance. Here is a translation of a statement just made by the Prime Minister of Belgium. My beloved countrymen, the hour so long awaited by you is near. Preliminary operations for the liberation of Europe have begun. This first assault is the certain signal for your deliverance. You are going to undergo difficult days in a period of anxious waiting. This is the time to show once again those qualities of discipline and self-control which for four years you have so often displayed.
first rule for you to follow is to moderate your impatience. The second is not to let yourselves be fooled by any of the enemy's treacherous provocations. And not to let yourselves be embroiled in any premature action which could result in terrible reprisals. The Allies are grateful to you for the magnificent resistance that you have shown under German oppression. And the government is convinced that you will do everything possible to contribute to the overthrow of the German war machine. The final success of the military undertaking which began today depends largely on the strength that you can serve for the decisive moment. You naturally want us to demand of you immediately all the effort of which you are capable. But the organized resistance, which already has its orders, and clandestine sabotage are at this moment of more use. To all patriots, I say, obey with complete discipline all the orders given you by the Supreme Allied Command and by your government. But be on the alert for false orders which might be issued by the enemy. Do not believe uncontrolled rumors. The only way to check the genuineness of any news is to make sure it is different from Allied radio stations. Above all, accept as on The moment of supreme combat has not yet come. When it does, you will be warned of it by the Allied command and by your government. You will then be clearly told what is expected of you. Use the period that intervenes to perfect your organization so that at the desired moment, their action may be fully effective. In the increased suffering, which perhaps will mark the last phase of the war, all Belgians must, more than ever before, show their devotion to each other and use all resources still available to relieve the suffering of those most sorely tried. The watchwords we send you are courage, discipline, unity, and confidence. That ends the translation of the Belgian Prime Minister's statement. Communique number one, issued in Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expedition Report, will now be repeated. Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces, supported by strong air forces, began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. This concludes the broadcast from Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expeditionary Force. This is the home and overseas service of the BBC.